And now, live from Studio One in Castlebar, it's the Jack McDonald Show. Yes, you are all very welcome back to the Jack McDonald Show, the second week here on CRC FM, and uh, paper snippings all around the place. It's like a winter wonderland. Welcome back, uh, and you know, for the first time, we are going for a more visual element, so that's great as well. But um, I mean, in terms of stories, what? Well, one. The country is back open, a little bit at the very least. We've got not only gyms, pools, but you've also got drive-in cinemas and, of course, drive-in bingo. I'm not sure exactly who's going to drive-in bingo, but we talked about last week, drive-in Mike Denver is uh, perhaps the same kind of crowd. Yeah, but uh, you're very welcome back. Of course, the big fight took place last night, uh, Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. I tried with all my might not to watch that uh, monstrosity. I really did. And at about whatever, half three, four, I just gave in and uh, got up and watched it. And it's the first fight I think ever that I've wanted to pretty much after the first few minutes just tap out. It was, oh, it was awful. It was really, really bad. It was, <laughs> we'll talk about it with Keevin, but it was, uh, it was crazy. Of course, as well, we've got a, a little, um, a really interesting conversation with, uh, f- with a fellow who is probably, I believe he's Castle Bar, but he's certainly one of Mayo's only professional MMA fighters. So I think that's around half 11 and of course, Keevin around 11. Now, uh, we hyped it a little bit. The UFO report didn't exactly go to plan, did it? No, um, they said that they wouldn't, that they wouldn't rule it out but that probably UFOs weren't a thing. Also, not a great weekend for Ryan Tuberty. Um, he had his Wikipedia, uh, well, I don't want to say hacked, but certainly uh, infiltrated as Trolls Online uh, was uh, hit uh, Ryan Tuberty pretty hard. Remember, he's taken his break, so in his break, he has uh, had his uh, Wikipedia changed to all sorts of things, most notably that he hosts, quote, live sex shows, which, of course, is incorrect, but uh, that was scrubbed after a few hours. Ryan Tuberty, of course, taking that break. So uh, poor Ryan. Also, the gyms are back, and uh, you've never seen uh, you've never seen a more happy person. What was it? 10 a.m. 10 a.m. was my Scott. It was brilliant to be back in the gym. Uh, it was excellent, and all the people there were really, really great, uh, and all the all the gyms and the cinemas, indeed, to check them all out. So that's great. Um, oh yes, the hospital boss story. I, lo- I love this one. So this is the story of a crooked hospital boss, and you might say they all are. Uh, that depends, but certainly this one was. He, um, he he's a crooked uh, fine uh, finance director of the hospital, developed an expensive tastes, and he has been jailed for stealing three point one million from a hospital. Including uh, 500 grand on a luxury fountain. Oh, sorry, luxury fountain pens. That's even worse. 500 grand pen budget is just uh, mental. Let's see. Apache. We've singing singing their praise as well. Uh, I actually got an Apache over the weekend. Um, well, uh, we shouldn't have been singing their praises necessarily because they've been hacked. Uh, which one is that? Hey, Apache. Did I? destroy that story anyway um, it, apparently it doesn't affect the customers yes okay hackers slice through pizza firm security fast food chain Apache Pizza warned customers their personal details may have been hacked after a data breach it said the incident which does not include bank or credit card details uh, has been linked to information from deliveries so great they only just know uh, that you buy pizza and where you live so that's not uh, concerning at all cops stormed Dublin over the weekend you see that um in yeah, uh, I don't know where what to make of that. They, uh, you've got the cops 
and they are all over the scene in what, you know, it's, it's takeaway pints. I mean, there wasn't a rebellion stage, but God, you'd think there would be. So they show off their force. This says cops in show of force after mayhem in the capital city. Uh, a difficult one, definitely, but hopefully with the, with the reopening, we might see less of the uh, kind of cops versus general people type storylines. Let's see. Uh, oh, yes. This is an excellent one as well. I believe this is from the Daily Star. Um, so, people, there is an increase, would you imagine? There's an increase in a lot of things, I'm sure. Alcoholism and a load of things with the pandemic. But uh, in the last year, there has also been an increase, bizarrely, in the amount of people who have got stuck, right, stuck in children's swings. And this is just embarrassing. I mean, this should be Healthy Ireland's big advertisement. Forget all the, you know, um, trying to appeal to parents. Appeal to kind of younger people and say, listen, you don't want to be so big that when you uh, playfully sit in a child's seat, seven seven firemen have to come and rescue you. Yes, um, firefighters have to free teens. Um, they're calling it a, a craze, but I'm not sure about that. Certainly, they've gone from 438 of these incidents in the UK to uh, seven, 777 last year wedged in children's seats. I mean, God, that's... Um, imagine that, that, that the, cop, that the uh, firefighters rather have to show up and bull-cutter you out. And, uh, you know, if, if you're carrying a little extra, then they have to go for the even bigger uh, the, the power tool machine. So that's not good. Uh, these are perhaps some of the most demeaning scenes. I don't even know who would stop to take the pictures while that's happening as well. Yes, um, Tom Jones, you know, uh, Mr. Sex Bomb Tom Jones has said that at 80, he has decided to cool the jets and he doesn't want people throwing anything at him while he's on stage. The quote here is, no more throwing pants. He wants, uh, I suppose, a camera show. The guy is 80. But it is, uh, I mean, it, you couldn't say it's aspirational, but it's certainly, um, it's certainly uh, a fair feat to have people that want to throw stuff at you on stage when you're 80. It's, it's not doing too bad if he's the one that has to say, listen, let's cool it down there. And then, um, Agony Ant. So you all know the Agony Ant uh, segments of the papers. Well, oh yes, actually before that, El Salvador have adopted Bitcoin. Yes, that's right. So they will adopt this as kind of their joint main currency. Um, and you can, I suppose, go around and uh, buy whatever you want with Bitcoin, or at least officially you can. Uh, the plan is backed by Congress and is set to be, I suppose, uh, voted upon. But it looks like it will succeed. Now, I'm sure all the Bitcoin people are over the moon with this development. Now, let's let's be honest. It's not exactly like if the EU came out and adopted Bitcoin. But, um, you yeah, know, interesting trend, interesting trend. Anyway, the agony ants were good this week. So, or rather today. So, firstly, we had Dear Deirdre in the sun, I believe. And um, it's about a cheating husband who's lost his memory. Now, this may be a true story. This may be a true story. But, God, it's... Um, it's you, you'd have to think twice. You'd have to think twice. So apparently, this woman stumbled across intimate emails between a husband and a, her husband and a woman in a secret file on his computer. But of course, she can't talk to him now as he has dementia. Uh, she's sixty-seven and he's seventy-one. So uh, one. I mean, you know, that's a very difficult thing because what does she do? Does she have to tell the family? And say, you know, because otherwise she looks crazy for stepping out on her husband who has dementia, right? But at the same time, it might seem a little suspicious 
that um, it, certainly he has dementia, but uh, I'd say it's she probably had to check that twice because uh, it would be a ploy used by many, I'm sure. And then perhaps the piece de resistance of today's papers. Quote, I can't beat my shoplifting habit. I think you probably could. I can't stop shoplifting. I steal something most days, from a bar of chocolate to a sweater. I can't resist the urge to help myself. Some days I've arrived home with two or three bags of stolen clothes. Ah, isn't that such a... It's an addiction which saves you loads of money and gets you the latest stuff. Uh, let's see. Um, so, yeah, she's got shame and panic. The irony is that I throw everything away, well, uh, because I know it's soil. I feel foolish and guilty uh, and over lockdown I even took milk from our neighbor's doorstep that's another level because over lockdown it was all that like oh we're all in this together nonsense and uh, you know we're all going to fight for this and she's there on the porch nicking the milk come on come on anyway as I say Kevin Rowland coming up along uh, with a really interesting conversation about kind of uh, MMA I suppose in Castlebar and rather in Ireland uh, also there is new music out from uh, Lil Baby Lil Dirk and Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds have a new track out uh, so that's all coming up and very interesting so I think for now we will go with this uh, new Lil Baby track and we'll be back very very soon stay tuned Jack McDonald Show, Monday to Thursday, 10.30 to midnight, all summer. Thank you, Laura. Yes, so you're very welcome back to the show, of course. For anybody out there, the text line is 087-935-0043, uh, rather. Uh, if you want to phone in, that's 094-902-7442. I'm not sure if there's anyone to answer the phone, but you can give it a whirl. Uh, and, of course, the email is studio at crcfm.ie. Now, a few things. Firstly, um, Kevin Rowland is not around. He went to Galway on Saturday. He, I have talked to him, so don't put out a, a guard the search warrant, uh, but I'm sure he's just uh, living his life. He is 24. So anyway, I've got a, th- the next best thing. Carl Boyle, how are things? Well. <laughs> well. Um, hangs up now. Um, I'm great. How are you, Jack? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Anyway, uh, did you see any I of the Logan Paul fight? Savior, by the way. It's not like I've ever fallen asleep before on you. Yes, uh, you know they, they, I, I always wondered. Like, first of all, I was wondering, like, why do people do radio during the day? Like during the evening, you have an empty studio, you can do whatever you want. Turns out that uh, most people fall asleep around ten o'clock, so that's why they don't do radio around this time. Anyway, did you see the Logan um, Mayweather thing? No, but I've heard the fallout about it. Uh, apparently, it ended in booze, which is. Uh, not booze, as in, like, drink. It ended in booze, as in people disappointed in it, supposedly. Yeah, a uh, uh, lot, lot of punters disappointed and a lot of commentators disappointed. This is Stephen A. Smith, who uh, was speaking. You know, Stephen A. Smith is the really animated commentator in the U.S., heavily boxing guy, and this is what he had to say. Was last night's event good for boxing? I don't think it was good for boxing. I, I really don't. I'm, dis- I'm disappointed in it. And, um, you know, the state of Florida wouldn't say shit about 35-pound difference. Um, Floyd Mayweather came in heavier than he's ever been, usually fighting at 145 to 147. Um, Fought at 155 last night. Uh, Logan Paul was at 189 and a half pounds. It was like watching Rocky against Drago for crying out loud. Rocky against Drago. Uh, I think that's a fair assessment, right, that the size difference was comical. I mean, it's... It was bad when he fought, uh, when Mayweather fought uh, McGregor, but I think this was just, 
another level, uh, no pun intended, of, of height difference, weight difference and all this. I mean, are you a person so that subscribes to the idea that fights are rigged? Is that a, something you would generally say? I mean, if I think there's something behind it, then yeah, I mean, there could be the, the questions raised about the uh, first KSI uh, versus Logan Paul match. I think it's kind of like uh, forcing into a rematch to get more money from themselves, which, fair enough, it's a market idea, but it's not good for the sport. Um, but See, to I mean, me, all that stuff, you know, uh, and especially, you know, my dad, who is uh, would be more a car guy than a sports guy, he'd always say, and I think he'd often mix up UFC with the WWE and go, oh, it's, it's all rigged, it's all rigged. And you go, well... It's it's not though because if the difference between the WWE and the UFC is very fundamentally that in the UFC they can fight in the WWE they can't so you have to take the you're an actor in the WWE and I think it's fair enough you know if 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 there's a, a Mayweather if he fights a complete bum you know a complete um, like up and comer no money to his name I think there is perhaps grounds that maybe there's some rigging there and you know you could you could you can make that case but I think the case becomes a lot more difficult to make when both of them are getting out of bed in silk sheets like McGregor Mayweather I didn't think that was rigged I think the boxing community if it went to points was definitely gearing up to rob McGregor of it Mayweather I think perhaps toyed with him a little bit in this fight it was 100% rigged and what I mean by that is not that Logan and, and um, Mayweather had a meeting or indeed um, uh, Mayweather's bizarre manager we'll get to him in a minute but more so that Mayweather very purposefully just toyed with Logan the whole time like there was there was at no point where I thought that Logan really had an upper hand I mean it, it was a fight certainly of kind of questionable uh, moments from Mayweather's point of view I mean he's never really ever since he's kind of retired I suppose he's never he still fights from time to time but he's realistically he has retired he couldn't give a flying flamingo about his about uh, boxing, he knows he's great. He knows he's capable of winning fights. So he just toys with people. And I think in certain in a certain moment in this fight, or for the fight in itself, he was certainly kind of preserving his, himself and toying with uh, Logan a lot. I mean, people are flocking to Logan Paul's kind of defense in a certain sense, saying he, he took him on for rounds that no one expected him he would. However, to, to be quite frank, I don't even think. Mayweather cared that much. I mean, he was making money either way. Yeah, and I think Mayweather, well, at least my perspective is that I think you don't go eight rounds with one of the greatest boxers of all time, even if the guy was 70 and the weight difference was, you know, 10 times higher. If he was fighting a guy on Operation Transformation, I think the same result, he brings it, he drags it out those eight rounds because it's a spectacle and he knew what he did. Now, it wasn't all perfect, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, rather, in a literal sense. They had the fight outdoors, you see this, they had the fight outdoors and it actually rained so for the undercard, loads of people were slipping, actually quietly in the middle, uh, you know, at the when they were going to the respect their respective corners, people would quietly, while the ring girls were doing their parade, people would quietly go and actually wipe down the canvas. But after the fight, this is what uh, Mayweather and then Logan had to say about each other. What do you think about I this? I had fun. You got to realize I'm not 21 anymore, but it's good to move around with these young guys, test my skills, just to have some fun. Great young fighter, strong, tough. He's better than I thought he was. 
What'd you think about him? What'd you think about Logan Paul? He says he wants to take this sport seriously. What do you think about him? As far as, as, far as with the big guys, the heavyweights, it's going to be kind of hard. But um, he's a tough, rough competitor. It was, you know, good action, have fun. And um, I was surprised by him tonight. Good, good little work. Good guy. And then Logan had a similar sentiment. What do you think you prove to yourself? What do you think you show Floyd Mayweather tonight? Man, I don't want anyone to tell me anything is impossible ever again. The fact that I'm in here with one of the greatest boxers of all time proves that the odds can be beat. I'm the maverick. I go right when they go left. I'm the unorthodox one. I'm the independent one. And everyone has it in them. Yeah, well, I, I, regardless of what, what I think, it is still an achievement to manage to somehow kind of scam your way into the ring with um, with Floyd Mayweather, especially from where he came from. Now, um, Eamon Dunphy, did you see this? He has taken a aim at the RTE pundits. Yeah, he's uh, blasting them as an insult to the audience uh, and blasts their uh, an analysts uh, for being embarrassing. <laughs> he's certainly brash on the, the approach he's taken to it. Um, I mean, he wasn't uh, necessarily the most uh, uh, kind of PG uh, presenter in his day. He was, uh, I mean, he famously swore on TV once and was not <laughs> thinking they were, they were on a break. I mean, I've not fallen victim to that recently. He did either. a call of oil. Yeah. Um, however, he wasn't past the watershed. Um, he was in live uh, TV at 6 o'clock in the day on, uh, what is it? Uh, RT2. Yeah, but it was uh, after the match or something, or up for the match. I can't remember the name of the program because it was the 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 kind of mockery one uh, after the match uh, that was on the, the skit program uh, a while back. But uh, either way, um, he's taken aim at the the new presenters and pundits at this, uh, um, who like Richard Sadlier uh, and Peter Collins, who can I be quite honest, are boring. They're not Eamon Dunphy, John Giles, and and um, the likes were you have actual good commentary, good analysis, and it seems too scripted these days. So, I mean, his his criticism is pointed, and I think pointed rightly. Yeah, and it's it's not, this isn't the first time he's made that point. In fact, he's actually gone personally to war against Sadler about two, three years ago. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this, because I would love to be completely on Eamon's side, but at the same time, I do remember towards the end of that stint, muting them a lot. Uh, they were fun for a while, but um, you know, it, 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 there was a, there was definitely a calculated nature. I think often to what they, to especially uh, Dunphy. I think John Giles was a very genuine guy, and Liam Brady was somewhere in the middle. But uh, certainly Dunphy, he's, um, you, you could tell that if fifty-one percent of the audience loved Aiden McGeady, he would decide that day that he hates Aiden McGeady. It was a little. Now, of course, the the other thing is true, which is that Richie Sadler doesn't seem to uh, perhaps go, you know, uh, that far, or maybe um, his words are not own, not necessarily his own. So there's those, there's certainly those questions. Certainly, I think it would be fair to say that uh, I don't think th there's really any commentary team out there that you actually listen to at halftime. I think generally you just tune out. Jack, you're going to love me for this segue, but it feels like at this stage, uh, RT has really gone down the, the road that Joe Brawley mentioned. We've <laughs> handed scripts now um, in relation to uh, uh, how you go about things. 
and uh, it just seems that that, that the punditry of uh, RT is now so tame and scripted that they're losing out to the underdog, which is Virgin Media, who have like, like it's we. You wouldn't realise it, but they've Graham Sounis, Brian Kerr, Niall Quinn, Damien Delaney, all of these people who are, are a lot more enthusiastic about the sport. Um, you can't even compare it to the days of like Bill O'Hurley, John Giles, and then back in their A game, like um, it's it, it just it isn't as good as it used to be, and it's certainly losing out. It's it's coming falling behind now. RTE's comedy. Yeah, it's game. it's That's like it's like Petri, it's like petri dish kind of com- kind of analysis and commentary, and I always say that people at home really aren't supposed to be statisticians, or they're not really supposed to know, you know, the X Y G of the game, and the you know, uh, you know the the kind of conversations at the pub are supposed to be really what you feel about the players, not their, you know, goal output per quarter in a semi-final game, blah, 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 blah. Now, a man that uh, I think perhaps definitely waned on the more emotional side of analysis, Joe Brawley, and as you perfectly set up, Cahill, he has taken um, an legal action against RTE, specifically, I believe, for defamation. So the barrister and former Derry footballer will fi- or has filed proceedings in the High Court uh, last week, uh, last Friday, I believe, RTE will not comment on legal matters, but it looks like Brawley will have them comment in court. Last March, he was disconnected during a discussion with Claire Byrne, and now uh, all hell breaks loose, I guess, because he's suing as a former employee or employer. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I guess, I mean... I'm going to be very tame on this one because the thing that he was addressing was quite um, was quite. It's a, yeah, it's a difficult topic. It's a difficult topic, and you don't want uh, Molotov cocktails through your window. No, but um, I think his comments were quite uh, quite pointed in a sense that, like like I've said, he, he's uh, somebody doesn't shy away from from. Uh, controversy, I suppose, in that circumstances, he he really put the the shoe on the foot of the DUP and M- the MP for the DUP, Gregory Campbell, and uh, it, it seems that uh, he he wasn't letting them any loose. But you see, the thing is, again, RTE is kind of this censorship kind of attitude towards it. And um, when there's facts and and evidence to suggest that the DUP were homophobic, racist, and, and in certain circumstances, very bigoted in, in circumstances there's evidence to suggest this there's video clips and this is what uh, Brawley was alluding to and uh, as soon as uh, he started mentioning that Gregory Campbell who wasn't there he had left the discussion Claire Byrne chimes in and says we can't talk about this because he's not here to defend himself you don't need to be there to defend yourself with the shoe fit and I think that's why um, uh, he's kind of taken legal action because they said his um, that his comments were uh not in line with RTE, that they were offensive, they were derogatory, and yet, if they were here, here it is, Cahill. They were in. They were listen. I I think the problem there is that it's very difficult. Uh, and if you're in Claire Burns' situation, if when he says all that stuff, like what's the what's the outcome? It's not really going to be much of a debate, though. You know that I think that would probably be the problem. It's it's um, it does border on name calling, if we're being honest. And even if it is true, that's the other side of I like Brawley, but that is the other side of um, you know. It's not necessarily debating the issue and certainly you know this uh, this this legal action this 
this could have a huge impact. I mean, we're already we're talking about how sterilized commentary is currently, right? They're you know, and they'll take an occasional opinion, uh, a left or, or right of center opinion. They really, if if he wins this, I can't see a way in which they can because you're talking about a, a big, big defamation suit. So. It's um, yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll take our legal hats off because I'm sure Aiden Crowley is, is sitting at home. Uh, you know, he's uh, <laughs> he's going mental because we know nothing about the law. Anyway, um, or the Euros. Euros are coming up now. Uh, from an uh, from a kind of an armchair pundit, perhaps a, a less professional view. Are you excited, Cahill, for the Euros? No, I could care less. The Euros this year seem as boring as ever. Um, Ireland have no representation in it. Uh, everyone, the the British are are up in arms saying it's coming home. It's 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 at this stage it's gone beyond what what the yours used to be. I remember back in 2016 when you had Michael Con- uh, is it Michael Constantine or or whatever his face was making up yeah, the euro. Yeah, Mick Constantine, for, I think. That's it. He made up the euro songs for for the Irish team. Uh, Come on, you boys in green. Uh, um, I just remember the atmosphere around it and the enjoyment that everyone had around it. I mean, even if you were the most stern opposite, uh, hater of soccer, you were getting behind the boys in green to, to fight us. I mean, you had the, the legendary goal of Robbie, uh, not Robbie Brady, of uh, Shane Long against uh, Manuel Neuer, a massive assist from Ra- Darren Randolph. There's nothing from it. There's not a thing that can interest me in this this year's Euros that'll make me say, wow, I did not expect that. Um to go back to Eamon Dunphy, just for a second, actually, because I uh, discovered three uh, newspaper clippings. There's the Star, there's the Mail, and I think the Mirror, actually, all covering this. But at the end of this um, story about Dunphy, and actually ties in with the Euros, apparently he is now, along with uh, Paddy Power, basically partnering, um, and he's calling for Irish football fans to cheer on England and this will be an interesting one to hear your take, at the European Championships, as the bookmaker has pledged to donate 10 grand to Irish grassroots causes for every goal the Three Lions score at this year's tournament. Now that's one for you, Cahill, right? Do you support that? Should we be supporting the English in order to get 10 10 grand a goal? In my opinion, I think Eamon has favoured the British now and his bookies odd, so uh, I think there's something more behind it. Uh, no, uh, in all seriousness, um, if he wants to do that, he can. I'm not playing any part and parcel to it. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's good cause. I just don't think the team they've picked is probably the most suited. Uh, or but the most, uh, should like- we be taking British money? Should we be taking... It's kind of British money. Should we all be going and supporting the English? I mean, that's something that we generally don't do. We, You know, you, you generally support a little further afield when we're not in the competition. I think they should have picked Iceland because last time Iceland faced England, it didn't go really in England's favour. So <laughs> uh, I think going for something like that would, would be a bit smooth. But no, look, if it's in a good cause, they, they've done themselves a, a bit of a uh, a nice, I suppose, deed in them circumstances. So whatever they want to do, people follow it. If they want to, if they don't, they don't. My opinion on it. Okay, but, uh, well, um, aside from sport, Cahill, uh, your Godfather review was uh, listened to by many people and they were very interested in it. I think an ice cream man in Dublin may have listened to that review, Cahill, and I'll tell you why. This is a clip in Dublin just this morning of an ice cream van.
<laughs> I don't know if that was was that clear on your end. I heard it anyway. It's a Godfather tune. Yeah, such a creepy thing. This guy's handing out, you know, whatever, two euro cones. It's probably three euro at this point. He's handing out three euro cones and he's using the theme for whacking a load of people. Don Vito's on the way, don't worry. It'd be ironic now if he had a, a Michael Corleone ice cream on offer or something, like integrate the name into the, the chocolate chip uh, Michael Corleone or something. Yeah, um, well, thanks, Cahill. Uh, your movie this week, of course, is 12 Angry Men, and um, you're going to be watching that over the next day or two, hopefully, and you'll stay awake on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try and- Okay, well, thanks. Thank you very much, Carl O'Boyle, uh, stepping in there. Now we're going to take um, actually a song, uh, as I teased before, Noel Gallagher's new song, very, very good, I think. Uh, you know, it's it's the the Oasis frontman to stay this long at the top or relatively at the top is uh, it's, it's quite intriguing. Then, of course, at about half past and five six minutes, we'll be talking to a very interesting man, Nikola Ivanich. I don't know if I uh, butchered that. Probably did. Uh, but he is a MMA com- um, MMA fighter. He's an Irish MMA fighter. And I'd seen him on Instagram. And I thought that would be a fascinating conversation. So we will see uh, what that develops around half past. But for, for now, this is Noel Gallagher and his uh, high-flying bird with Flying on the Ground. <laughs> Jack McDonald Show, Monday to Thursday, 10.30 to midnight, all summer. Yes, you're very welcome back to the Jack McDonald Show here on CRCFM. We're coming up on, well, we are actually at a half eleven. And a man joining me on the line is, I believe, uh, Nicola. How are things, Nicola? Very good now, and yourself? That's great. Now, you had a fight over the weekend in MMA, am I right? Correct, yes. Yeah, so tell me about that. You're, an, you're, you're a professional MMA fighter, as I understand, and you're fighting out of Castle Bar, isn't that? Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, how are things? How did the fight go? I lost by a very naked choke in the second round. Okay, well, uh, in terms of in terms of your your kind of experience with MMA, how did I, I want to kind of get an idea of what the Irish MMA scene is like? Because I think the, my first and only encounter was I knew a guy and a very lost guy. He uh, had a shaved head and he'd go down to Cork and he'd get battered and there'd be videos. Uh, he, he showed me these videos of himself just getting mauled in a cage in Cork. Obviously, the Irish MMA scene and I'm sure yourself are much better than that. Um, give me an idea of the Irish MMA scene. Well, for starters, it's very broken. You know, um, I'm sure if you've noticed, there's very little MMA shows going on in Ireland. Mm. Not too many gyms other than in the east, you know, in the big cities. So it's very broken. Um, it, it's hard to get shows up and running. Um, for starters, we're not even recognised as a sport by the Irish government, so we get no funding from the government, no help, or anything like that. So we're pretty much left to ourselves. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 rough, you know. It's it's not easy for the MMA. How many days a week would you be training? Uh, two times a day, sometimes three. That's that's crazy, and it, so it's it's MMA. So I presume it's multiple mediums. You know, it's, it's jujitsu and, and things like that. Yes, yes, it's very diverse. Yeah, so you're you're you're. I mean, you know, if there's anybody really that should be getting funding, I'm, I must say I'm kind of surprised by the uh, the funding thing because there's a there's a lot of uh, sports you know crazier and uh, you know with four people that are kind of scamming the the funding system. So that's definitely something to be looked at. You're a professional MMA fighter, so what does that mean? Well, it means it's it's a lot harder, you know. Mm. There's less room for error, and um, there's more at stake. 
uh, also less rules, so you know I could get even more seriously injured than before. So, um, as a professional, is it possible to live off MMA money in Ireland? No, no, definitely not. No, uh, you had you your fight was on pay per view this this week or this weekend. Am I all right? Yes. Yeah. How did that go? Good, good. I think I sold like forty-two tickets. So that's that's excellent. And in in terms of a, an audience and, and building an audience, is I suppose that would probably be a difficult task as well, because not only do you have to tr- train two or three times a week, you have to talk to you know idiots like me on the radio and I'm sure online and stuff like that to build up and you know sell all these pay-per-views. Well, you do. Like I mean, you know, I'm raised. In, I'm I'm basically I'm raised in Castlebag, you know. So everyone here knows me. So. Like you said, there's, there's not really anyone doing this other than me that's active in the sport, so I get quite a bit of support from uh, the people here, you know, so it's it's not as difficult as it seems, and I don't mind getting on the show like this and talking. So, mm, mm. Uh, you don't you, you don't go for the Conor McGregor kind of brash out there style, is that is that on purpose? Uh, no, no, like, uh, you know, I know what I can do and what I can't do, and, mm. uh, it's, it's, you know, there's no point trying to... Yeah, it strikes me that that you know, it, it, would Ireland be is is Ireland not the, the right place to be a professional? It would it make more sense to maybe go further afield to I suppose to America would be the, the number one place to try and you know make it there. Well, you know, you can make it in Ireland. There's a lot of very high level Irish athletes, uh, especially in the north as well. It's just like I said, our MMA is dead here. You know, there's no promotions going. It's, it's hard to get fights. The gyms are very spread out. Uh, lockdown has killed a lot of gyms. You know, a lot of gyms have to close because of the restrictions. So, is there still rough. is there still a negative connotation around MMA? I, I imagine there might be amongst an older generation. I suppose there would be. Yeah, like a lot of people still don't know what MMA is. You know, mm. especially well actually to the people out there who maybe are, are night owls uh, the CRC's audience is generally a little older can you give them a rundown of the what MMA is and more importantly what MMA isn't well MMA is mixed martial arts so you know if you know what martial arts then it's pretty much everything that entails mm. But it's not, you know, it's not a human cockfighting as they like to brand it. It's not, you know, you, you don't go in there with a crowbar and and beat the daylights <laughs> out of each other. It's, uh, it's, it's. I don't want to say it's, it's. Well, it is more civilized than that, and it's a it's a different form of fighting. But you know, it's ten times more difficult than boxing. Um, as, as somebody who has never done either, but like you know, from at least from a viewing perspective, because you can stand up um, and you can be a stand up fighter, but then you're facing people who can take you down to the ground and all of those things. In terms of uh, your preference, would you be more of a, a stand up and fight person, or is it the wrestling and stuff like that? I, I like to stand and bang, you know. I mm. like to go for a brawl, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, not everyone does like to do that. So I tend to get uh, grappled quite a bit and taken down, and so I have to work on that a bit more, I think. Mm, mm. And coming coming towards, I suppose, the next year, and as things open up, do you see maybe sponsorships or or things like that? How is the horizon for yourself in MMA? Well, I have another fight booked in August in uh, Windsor Stadium in Belfast under a show called Cage Conflict so uh, I'll be fighting there there will be a crowd allowed also uh, because it will be an outdoor event I think uh, 3,000 capacity so I already have another fight lined up and 
weeks. Are your people in your life supportive? Are your uh, mother, father, whoever, uh, guardian, uncle, aunt, whoever, are they supportive of the fact that uh, you're, you know, going around and this is, you know, uh, for people that's seen the Conor McGregor documentary, that was very fascinating. The mother was kind of, you know, basically telling him to shape up and uh, go and get a job and whatever, four years later, he's a multimillionaire. Uh, yeah, it was pretty much the same with my mom. You know, she hated what I was doing. Never said I, you know, succeed at it at all. Uh, it was rough. It was pretty hard. You know, it was pretty mm. much just me with the self belief. But mm. uh, they came around. You know, they see me training every day. They see all the work I put in, and um, you know, when when you do something that much and people see it, they they start to believe. You know. So. Have you had a contact from anybody like John Kavanaugh or Dana White or um, any anybody in the you know the maybe the notable people that uh, people out there might be aware of? Not nothing that big yet. Like I've done I've done a seminar with John. You know, mm. so I've learned a bit from the man. Um, I've done a seminar with Gunnar Nelson as well. So I've I've trained with you know big stars in that you could say. But now that. Not, uh, and you know, unfortunately, on uh, Saturday or Saturday or Sunday, it didn't go your way. How do you recover and pick yourself up from that? Is there a method to picking yourself up after a defeat? Because, of course, in MMA, defeats are a lot more common. That's just kind of parcel and parcel parcel of the game. Uh, to be honest, I'm just I'm not I'm not happy with the results. You know, like mm. uh, I made a mistake that cost me the fight. Uh, I know what I did wrong. I know what I need to work on, but. Uh, in terms of picking myself up, uh, I'm good to go, you know, there's always tomorrow, I can't, I can't live in what happened now, I have to keep going, get better for the next one and just bring that energy in, you know, and refine it, I guess. How much analysis and things like that can be done for your opponents? You know, are you able to sneak into a gym in Balladrine or wherever they're training and uh, video them or is it just a little bit more general? Like, to be honest, I don't really analyze my opponents that much. My, my coaches, my teammates, they do that. They say he's going to do this, he's going to do that. comes to the fight, they usually don't do anything they're going to say. Um, mm. So really anything can happen in a fight. You, you can prepare all you want, but once you step in that cage and those doors close, anything can happen, you know. So, mm, mm. so uh, your professional record, uh, when did you turn pro? I think, was it kind of late last year, as I understand, and how have your fights gone so far? September last year I had my pro debut I took it on two days notice on a show called Infusion in Amsterdam so I lost that by decision and then I fought Henry Corrigan there last weekend he's currently undefeated uh, lost that by rear naked choke in the second round so currently 0-2 as a professional yeah well I think uh, I'm sure things will lock up and if there there's uh, your kind of uh, your online presence where can people find you if they want to uh, support you and I'm sure uh, tune into your next fight which I presume will be pay-per-view or available online Both yeah and the live audience as well will be allowed Mm mm Okay, so thanks so much for your time. That was Nicola, and uh, you know, uh, definitely really one to watch. And I think the the that, that you've sent me down a really a rabbit hole. Uh, I'm gonna look into now the things that do get funding and the things that don't, because I can tell you that uh, I'm sure lawn darts and some crazy stuff do. But uh, <laughs> we'll we'll look into it. Thanks so much, Nicola.
Right. Well, that was a, a fascinating insight, and what I liked about that one was that sometimes with interviews, uh, you know, we, we've we've known that last week I, I messed up one or two, but sometimes with interviews you don't really get a, a kind of a raw perspective, and God, that was definitely raw. I mean, uh, the the you know uh, f- somebody who was really following something there in a Castle Bar is not supportive, or indeed, really Ireland is not supportive of uh, MMA, despite McGregor being the highest paid athlete of uh, this year but they're not really that supportive of MMA and uh, I think that's really interesting that not only is he fighting against the the people perhaps in his life who would be a little bit more skeptical and I suppose in this society normal he is also fighting against this uh, difficulty and kind of a streak he's on so definitely all power to uh, Nicola and hopefully he um, gets uh, another victory and I'm sure we'll be following in in uh, August I'm not sure if we'll be there we might send uh, Cahill on his bike it'll be a hilarious sight to see Cahill he would be he would be he would be just a, a load of big fellas a big load of big six foot fellas uh, scrapping the heads of each other and Cahill there <laughs> scared as a cucumber in the corner anyway um, some more music to come and that really brings us towards the end of the day um, or rather the end of the show as well um, we'll be talking towards the end of the show of course about what you will be waking up to tomorrow but for now I think uh, a little bit of Polo G and then um, some Pop Smoke I keep playing this uh, Pop Smoke record but I, I really like it as I, as I always say text 087-935-0043 um, and we will see you after these uh, short records don't go anywhere Jack McDonald Show, Monday to Thursday, 10.30 to midnight, all summer. Yes, thank you, Laura, for the last time today uh, or tonight. Yeah, what a, a really interesting show and certainly a mixed bag, but I really enjoyed it. And I must say, again, I'm reflecting on that conversation with Nicola. Really, really interesting. And, you know, didn't try to jazz it up, was upset about that uh, loss and still took the time, one, to talk, to come on this show, but uh, also to talk frankly and honestly. And, he, you know, he could have... Sp- spriced it up there was no excuses there which you may have heard if we were talking to you know a lawn darts player who lost anyway um, you heard Pop Smoke there earlier and I think I must have played that song a million times it's just excellent one of the um, one of the best things I think this year I was um, I was in the car and um, you know, old people they love to play these uh, these music and it's fine uh, you know Dad can play a little of his music and that's that's all right but he started not only was it the seventies rock I like some seventies rock he started playing that ridiculous diddly I I idol Irish you know um, my, my husband's gone my son's gone all this really uh, depressing stuff so I took the phone and I said fine you want to hear real music let's put real music on here's some pop smoke and uh, we pulled up to the lights he blasted all the way up we look over to the left and it's a ninety year old woman she could have been more shocked in her life I don't think she had heard language like that ever uh, of course you heard the the censored version she did not hear the censored version anyway um, tomorrow when you wake up it will be National Best Friends Day so if you have a friend well uh, uh, more reason to celebrate if you don't then it may be a day to go and get a friend or to call into Joe Duffy uh, also tomorrow is World Oceans Day and um, 
I don't have to be a psychic to say that the environmentalists will be out in full. So I'd recommend to delete Instagram for kind of about 20 hours starting now. Or 22 hours rather, starting now. And um, then, you know, we'll be back at uh, whatever, half 10. And you can reinstall it. I'm sure, I'm sure they won't. National Ocean Day, they won't take that too far at all. They'll be reasonable and sensible. Those Extinction Rebellion people are such, uh, they're, they're such kind people and they're such calm people is what I love about them. And Anyway, uh, <laughs> Extinction Rebellion on the doorstep. That's about it from us here at CRCFM. Thank you, as always, for uh, sharing the time with me. Uh, have a very good night. I think I had about four hours sleep, so I'm off to get some more sleep. And, um, of course, we'll be with you again tomorrow with uh, another mixed bag. I, I believe uh, we've got some more guests, and, and maybe we will um, perhaps put a siren to Kevin's head. But anyway, until next, un- until tomorrow, we'll see you then. The Jack McDonald Show, Monday to Thursday, 10.30 to midnight, all summer, 